It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. Pushing out one of Barry's articles for you to check out at WBSM.com and on the app. And uh, he's got a couple of very interesting things for you to check out today. One is the debate over what to call that bridge in Newport. Is it the Newport Bridge? Is it the Senator Claiborne Pell Bridge? Is it the Claiborne Pell Newport Bridge? So you can check that out and sound off. Uh, It'll be up on our Facebook page in a little while, and you can comment there. Also, he has the story of Mr. Steadfast. You've probably seen the eagle statue leading into the New Bedford National Whaling Historic Park, and you're wondering, I think I got that right, and you're wondering, why is this eagle here? Well, Barry's got the whole story of where the eagle, known as Mr. Steadfast, came from and why he is there now, and also where he used to be. So you can check that out at WBSM.com and on the app as well. So those are just a couple of things for you to read and share. And then you can then you can be the, the, the person with the trivia knowledge. When you've got a friend visiting, you can say, hey, see that eagle? It used to be over here. And here's why they moved it. And here's this. And here's how it got this name. Barry got all that information for you so that you can uh, share it along. So also, very quickly... Uh, a reminder that uh, th- there is, as I mentioned, uh, a story at newbedfordlight.org about, I'm just trying to pull, the want to give you the headline title again correctly, uh, South Coast Lawmakers Call for Review of State Peer Development Deal. So that is something that um, they'll discuss more in depth tonight on South Coast Tonight with Representative Bill Strauss when he comes in. But basically, there's a, a local legislators have an issue with the way that this process was done. Now, Mass Development is in charge of State Pier, and this plan that's been put into place, this development plan that is going to see some retail space, some restaurant space, uh, to see uh, a group, an open air fish market, uh, space for landings from the fishermen, and also, I think it's twenty percent space for offshore wind that all of the, this plan that's that's been put into uh, in, in, into fruition that's the ball has started rolling on this plan and uh, these lawmakers are saying hold hold off because there wasn't enough public involvement in this process but yet nobody's really sure how much public involvement there needed to be in the process so we'll, we'll get Mayor Mitchell's take on that when he comes in at 11 o'clock. But uh, Representative Strauss will have a lot more to say about it on South Coast tonight this evening. We can take your calls on it if you if you want, for sure. Uh, but I, I think you'll have a much more in-depth conversation this evening on that. Also, just one other thing I want to point out at NewBedfordLight.org. We'll talk to Jack Splain about this on 
Monday when he comes in for turning on the light. But he has a column up where he looks at that, you know, the neighborhood, uh, the uh, get together that the city council had, that they're looking to do these in the different neighborhoods around the city where they go to a, a business in that neighborhood and the group of counselors get together and they invite the public to come on out and, and hang out with them and, and help with, uh, you know, help generate some, some revenue for that business while also having some discussions with the constituents. And Jack has an article where he looks at this and says, you know, is this a violation of open meeting law? Now, in the case of the recent one that they, they did, which is the first of many that are planned, they didn't have a quorum of counselors, but all the counselors had been invited. It just so happened that not a quorum showed up. So Jack is looking into, you know, what is the legality of this? Are, could these be a violation of open meeting law? But personally, I disagree with a lot of what Jack says in the article. And, uh, and I look forward to getting into that with him when he comes in on Monday. You know, he's saying... Well, we're just going to take the counselor's word at it that no city business is going to be discussed when they all get together like this. I mean, there's plenty of times that the counselors get together. If, if, if they all get together for somebody's birthday party, they all just happen to be at somebody's birthday party. I'm assuming that they're not talking about city business while they're there. So I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with his jump to... Uh, because they get together, city business could be discussed. I would, I would think that if that happened, somebody would stand up and say, "Well, hold off. We shouldn't be talking about this now. Let's save this for for an actual meeting." But it was posted. People did know that it was happening. There's a debate as to whether or not it happening in a business is public or private. I think Jack, you know, considers it to be a private meeting. I don't think that they said you you had to buy something to come in and, and, and say hi to them and, and talk to them about things. So I don't know. We'll get into that more. I will certainly ask Council President Morad about it on Friday, um, but we'll get into that more with Jack on Monday. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Good morning. Going back to your discussion you had last hour about the uh, the pay, the 10%, um, it, it, it's kind of a little mind-boggling to me. If you're going to run the city as a business, which we hear all the time, we have to run the government like a business. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have a business and you have an opening that requires certain training, certain experience, you want the best qualified person to apply for that job. So the city of New Bedford's in the same position. You want the, the best people to apply for these jobs. Now the city's got two problems. One, their pay rates are lower than anybody else. And two, if I'm an experienced person and meet that criteria, but I don't live in New Bedford, I'm getting punished again. So you want me to come work for the city, but that you're going to punish me by not allowing me by the 10% because I'm not a, a resident. So what do you, do you think the qualified folks are going to come here and apply? I mean, I think that it's an easy fix to just take the the ordinance that the council put into place uh, a few years ago and say we're gonna we're gonna take this off the board now. I, I and I absolutely and it should be off the board for everybody because what we're also missing is the police department isn't the only department that's short. You have the DPI, which was just advertising 
uh, with signboards on Charmin Avenue for snowplow drivers. Mm-hmm. You have the EMS department, which I think is, is short. You have the fire department, which is short. You're having a shortage everywhere. So if you want the good people, I think, the, I the think, trained, the, uh, not the to interrupt knowledgeable. You, but I think Councillor Abreu said that the fire department is level staffed right now, that they do have the, the amount of staff that they were looking for. And the mayor has said before that EMS is properly staffed. But it's also, you know, it, they, they both, both of those rely a lot on mutual aid, too. Correct. And you're absolutely right. And, and, and yes, they may be fully staffed at the moment they tell you that. But unfortunately, people come and go. Um, so those numbers are always fluid. Today, they may be full staff, but next week when someone puts in for retirement, now we're short. I, I think that 10% is, it has served its purpose for whatever purpose it had, but unfortunately, there has to be some common sense to say, hey, we want the best people. We want the best qualified people. We want the people with this experience to do the tasks that we need them to do. We need to look how do we attract these people? And I heard the mayor talking about, well, we're going to raise these rate, these uh, unit C jobs so we can uh, keep and attract new pe- new managers to the city. Well, you're not attracting anyone with a 10% pay cut. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and, that's his position too. He feels the same yeah, way on that. Absolutely. And, and let's be honest, you have the superintendent of schools here in New Bedford, who is a finalist for a job in the town of Newton. I'd be curious to know, not that it's my business, but I'm, my guess is they're going to offer him more money than what he gets for the city of New Bedford. Sure. And, okay, so we we, we continually have this problem, and there's got to be a better solution than just, well, we're going to hire and then and then t- give you a 10% pay cut. That's, that's, you're not getting anywhere. Yeah, and, and I think part of that, too, is, you know, like you said, whatever idea they might have had with it in the first place, we're seeing now that it doesn't work. We're seeing now it that, it's, that it's a bad policy. And I think you have to be willing to look at a bad policy and, and, and admit that it was a mistake and change it. Do I think the city residents should receive some sort of preferential in, in applying for jobs? Absolutely. If I have the same credentials and I live in New Bedford and you have the same credentials and you live in Fairhaven, maybe I should be looked at because I live in New Bedford. I'm okay with that. But you, we should be competing for the same job, for the same pay rate, for the to do the same responsibilities. And it shouldn't be, well, he's going to get punished 10%. And here's the next key. They use that to save money. Well, we'll hire the guy from Fairhaven because we're going to save money. That's a good point, yeah. And that's also wrong. And that's also what's happening. And that also needs to stop. And you can't use it as a weapon. And that's exactly what they're using it for. All right. Thank you for the call. No problem. Have a good day. Uh, we we did have another call, but it just dropped off. If you want to call back in, 508-996-0500, we'll put you through. Uh, and, and anybody that wants to chime in on this, I welcome your comments, whether it be via phone or via app chat on the WBSM app. But that that is a good point. Can it be used to say we can hire this person? And, and then granted, I mean, I guess... Let's just say you're you're looking at a person from Fairhaven and a person from New Bedford for the job, and you decide to hire the person from Fairhaven. That person has the choice. It's not like you're automatically deducting 10% from them. You're giving them the choice to decide to move into the city or not. And if they choose not to move into the city, then they would suffer that 10% income hit. So it is, it's no matter what, it's still in their hands in the hands of the, the person that's applying. 
But I don't know. I mean, if you told me, uh, if I was making, if I was offered a job where I would make 20% more than I'm making in my current, I mean, I'm not leaving this job, so don't get excited. Some of you app chatters. Uh, I know right now, Blue Googs, his ears perked up when I, you know, but if I got offered the, the, the same position to make 20% more that I'm making now to go somewhere else, but then I had to take a 10% hit because I wasn't going to relocate, then I got to look at that and say, well, is it really worth 10% more of my salary to change everything, especially if I'm comfortable? If it's a 30 or 40% increase and I'm going to lose 10%, well, then maybe, maybe I consider it. That would, that would make a big difference in my life. And that 10% to me would be negligible if I'm if I'm making 30% more and it turns out to be a 20% increase on what I'm already making. The problem here is that the positions that people are supposed to be applying for are already paying them less than what they're making in the jobs they already have or in some of the other jobs that they could be competing for. And then on top of that, you want to hit them with 10% decrease in salary if they don't live in the city. Like that's where it's an issue. So in, if, if, and that could have been an easy negotiation in the salary restructure for these Unit C employees, it could have been very easy for the city council to say, well, we don't want to increase it this much, but we're going to get rid of this. We're going to get rid of this 10% penalty for not living in the city. And I think people kind of forgot about that. You know, there was there were people who were upset about it when it first passed. And then people kind of forgot about it because they were getting people, or they had people in those jobs already who had been there for a long time. But now that there's been retirements, now that there have been people who have been poached from other municipalities, now that there are vacancies, it's come back up again. And I, I, I don't know if you can get through this current hiring crisis without making some changes to those requirements. 508-996-0500. We'll take a break and be right back. Wake up each day with them. friends went to that show and said that it was fantastic. Um, so 
I thought I'd play a little candle box there for those who are listening that might have been there last night. 508-996-0500. So if you've been tuning in and you didn't hear everything at the beginning of the first hour and you're wondering what we're talking about when it comes to uh, these salary numbers and, and these percentages and these requirements and all the stuff that we're throwing out there. Last night on South Coast Tonight, City Councilor Ian Abreu was a guest with Marcus Ferro, and he said that as part of this problem they're having with staffing the police department, which I believe he said it's 47 less positions that are active right now than is budgeted for this year. So they've had people who have retired. They've had people who have gone to take jobs in other places. And so they're down that number of officers. And we've seen that we've been talking about this all week, that the New Bedford Police Union is now taking the social media to announce each day to the citizenry that they are operating at reduced staffing levels and that there can be an expectation that they might not get the same level of service from the department as that's ongoing. And they made it known that their problem isn't just the fact that there are less numbers because they do understand that it is a nationwide issue. Their problem is that there seems to be a lack of plan from their leadership, from the from the police chief and, and from the mayor's administration. This is in the words of the police union for a plan to combat that. And so Councillor Abreu was on with Marcus last night, and, and he had said that as part of this hiring crisis for the police, being able to find people to join the force that he would support the idea of putting a pause on the 10 year residency requirement for those who come in as new officers, people who join the force the first 10 years they're required to live in the city. And he would support putting that on hold as they try to get these numbers back up for the police department. So want to get your thoughts on that 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm good. And you? I'm doing all right. What's on your mind? Um, About the police and firemen. All right. Can I talk about both? Yes. All right. And being a golfer, I uh, know a lot of police and firemen, and uh, a lot of them retire at a very young age Mm -hmm. because they got a hangnail or a bad case of dandruff. And I don't know how they get away with this. I had one fellow that was a prison guard and got into a fight with the inmate. And um, he hurt his leg and he was retired at 37 years old. Then I see another fireman and I said, gee, you got a nice tan, you on vacation? Oh, no, I'm retired. I said, uh, uh, what? He said, my blood pressure. Um, and it goes on and on and on like that. Well, so, it, but there's a, diff- there's a difference between retiring with a full pension and retiring. Are they, are they retired and then having to go on to something else, or are they retiring and then no, collecting listen, a pension? Listen to this one. Uh, if they retire on a medical, like they all do, they get full pay. All right? I'm going to tell you another one. Okay, go ahead. I was shot by a bullet. I don't know what kind of bullet it was. I didn't even know what it was, but I thought I ran over a piece of metal in the street. 
and it was somewhere near um, Sherman Avenue. And uh, I, I didn't know exactly where it was because I thought it was something that come off the engine or I ran over something. So I'm looking at the lights on the, on the dashboard to see if anything goes on. Mm-hmm. Nothing went on. So I reported it. <clears throat> a police officer showed up. It was a lady, about five foot nothing, and I have nothing against short people or tall people or heavy people or anything. Uh, she, I, she took the she wrote it down, took the report, and uh, I said, "What are you going to do with this?" Well, nothing we could do about it. I says, "She says just keep away from project areas." I said, "I don't go to no project areas. I drive by them, you know, uh, on uh, Mount Pleasant to uh, past Sherman Avenue or whatever they call it." Sure. Yeah. So that's about it, and um, I think police and fire should have to live in the city, pay the taxes, and spend some money on the stores. And uh, well, I'm sure they, I'm sure they still do. I'm sure they still spend money in the city, even if they don't live here. You know, Tim, when I was a kid, you had to be six feet tall to be a police officer, and uh, I don't say you have. You should have to be that, but that's the way it was. And we had respect for the police. Matter of fact, we used to play in uh, Brooklyn Park every day, just about in the summertime. And we had a, a fake cop, well, not a fake cop, but he, he dressed as a police officer. And he was not a police officer. He was just a... um manage the ballpark uh, of the uh, uh, Brooklyn Park. And um, when the lights would go on, he said, okay, kids, it's time for you guys to leave. We wouldn't give them no lip, but we just leave. There's no respect anymore. Well, I think I think part of it is that there is, you know, th- I agree. I think there is a general lack of respect. I, I see a lot of, of people who are um, raised, uh, you know, and I, I won't even say like young kids today because it's something that's been going on for generations, but it's raised as a, you know, you don't talk to my kid that way mentality yeah, versus right. a teaching the kid to say, hey, just walk away from the situation, show the person respect, then come back and tell me and let me deal with it. You know, yeah, like, right. you know, that if, if, if that was more of the situation that people were in, I mean, I also, I also don't think people should get bullied around either. Um, but, you know, you do have to show everybody that you deal with some modicum of respect every day. Yeah. So one other thing, uh, quite a few of uh, my golfing acquaintances, not friends, just people that I would play on different um, um, tournaments against or with, uh, they were retired, and I said, how'd they retire so young? Uh, bad back. Now, how the hell could you swing a golf club because you got a bad back? I don't know. I, I, some some people might uh, some people might have a, a little bit of relief from that stretch of the swing. 
Who knows? <laughs> Shouldn't the insurance companies be looking into this? Well, if you remember the, the the previous fire chief in New Bedford, there was an issue where you know he retired or he was on medical leave, I believe, because he had some issues, physical issues, yeah. and then they they hired an investigator and caught him on video, uh, you know, loading up a truck. So, I mean, yeah. I think some some people are looking into. That. I mean, that's a better question, I think, for Ken Pittman on Saturday because you know, being yeah. a private investigator, he has more experience and things like that. Yeah, right. Okay. All right. Nice talking to you. Likewise, you have a good day, Bob. Thank you. And uh, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hey, Jim. How you doing? Good. How are you? Not bad. Yeah, um, I, I just want to chime in on my opinion when it, when it comes to the police officer. I, I, I think that, you know, I, I know that I'm a little older than you and everything, but I, I did run into somebody that knew you the other day that went to school with you, Crystal. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, let's talk to you about a little bit. Anyway, um, you know, cops years ago, I think, in my opinion were people that wanted to be a cop like as soon as they were born, you know, they that was their thing in their head, you know, just like firemen. Sure. Um I think nowadays that you get a lot of people that are cops because, you know, a little prestige comes along with it. It's a good paying job. You can retire early. Uh you know, you get a lot I think you get a lot of that. You know when I when I was growing up they downtown Wham they used to have a cop that walked the beat. On set, cop walk the beat. You never see that anymore. Um, you know, once in a while in the summer, you get like a summer cop that'll be around on the bicycle or But as far as that, you don't get cops that do cop work anymore. You know, if they're not in a car, they're not going to take that job, you know? Yeah, I mean, I know they they had good luck in at least in in Wareham and especially in Onset with the the summer officer program and having them on the bikes, and yep. and I I honestly thought that that would give way to having more patrol officers again. But you're right, it's it doesn't make sense necessarily to have them out there standing out there, and you know in some ways some people think of that as being a deterrent to people wanting to you know some just some people don't want to get out of the car and go into a business if there's a police officer standing outside of it because right. they they naturally are just like what's going on is there something going on is is this business uh, under threat or you know so I, I understand why they they can be hesitant to do that yeah I mean it, I don't know that's, like I said this is my opinion but I, I really think that that whole and as far as like the gentleman was talking about me myself, I know at least five or six people that were cops before, and you know they either went out on some kind of stress thing, you know, uh, mm-hmm. or you know uh, there was fell down chasing somebody, and never go back to work. I, I don't. What I don't understand is that if you're an officer and you're trained, they put all this money into you to be trained, and hypothetically you slipped and fell and said you heard your back, right? You know, the old cliche is that if, if, you, if you're a police officer and, and you go out on disabilities, you, you hit the lottery because you, basically, you get paid for the rest of your life. Insurance. Well, I, I mean, I, I will say some, so what, what I think some people don't necessarily understand is there's a difference between, um, you know, whether or not they can do the job that they're required to do. So you could slip and fall and be okay, and you could certainly, you know, continue on in any other profession, but maybe you can't do it as a police officer. Why don't, what I want, my point was, that, uh, why don't they give you a different job? Why don't you work inside? But it, the, the key word is what you just said. I'm not, sure, not, I'm not sure if they don't give you the option. 
You don't. You don't. I know. Uh, well, I, I can, I uh, let me give you an example. You know, my, my father-in-law was a fire, was a fire chief and, uh, and he got to the point where he was on, well, he, he, so he had some medical issues. He had a heart attack. And so he couldn't be going and running into the buildings anymore. He, they didn't even want him on the scene anymore. So they offered, you know, he, he was offered a desk job rather than having to right. take that retirement right away. He ended up eventually taking the retirement because the desk job desk job drove him crazy, and he was right. close to retirement anyway. That, that was my point. I was just, just going to say exactly. No, two guys, one of them just passed away. That was a car for about 10 years. And that, that, you know, they put him on the desk job or doing other stuff, records or, you know. Yeah, he, um, he, he maintained this. He maintained the same position. They just had him working, you know, right. uh, administratively as opposed to on the scene. And, and you know, and uh, well, my point is, is that is that if you if you if because we have to pay for all that stuff, you know, the taxpayers. And what I was saying is that you know, if if you could work, you know, why don't you? You know, they those those same people that call into your show and say, "Hey, all about those people that are collecting these benefits and everything, they can do something, right?" Why does that apply to police officers and? Fine, and other people, you know, that work in those capacities. I mean, I, I listen. I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree. But I also think there might be something to be said if that injury happens as a result of their job too. So if they hurt themselves and give themselves an injury that will be, you know, a permanent thing that will affect them the rest of their lives, but they did it in service of the community. I think you do owe them something for that. No, not I'm not. No, don't get me wrong, Jim. I'm not trying to, you know. Um, Lay the ground out that they, you know, hold them or not like that. I, that's not what I'm saying. But you know, I I know I know a couple of state troopers that you know went off on the job after about ten years, and you know they they're paying them big money, and they ride motorcycles, they do every other, every other thing that I do. But you know, you can't do your job anymore. I don't know. I I don't know. I I, I just think there's something fishy with that. Yeah, um, it's definitely a tricky question. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it, and I think they find I think they find it the same way, but they can't do anything about it. The the key word is what you said earlier. If it's if it happens and you can't do the job you was doing, you know, you can go out on such a high paying disability thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, I got to hold you there because I got to take a break. But thank you for the call. All right. And uh, to any of you who want to call in, we've still got plenty of time for you to do so, 508-996-0500. However, Mayor Mitchell will be joining us in the 11 o'clock hour. We'll talk about this and a whole lot more with the mayor coming up at 11. But until then, it's all about you right after this break. The local talk doesn't stop. in New Bedford sending an app chat message saying that Candlebox and Bush were great last night. You know, anytime I think of Bush, I think about the brief time I lived in Marion for uh, just about a year when I was in high school. We lived um, like right on the water in that little inlet that comes into Route 6. 
uh, it was a road called Black Hall Court. And I had a friend that, you know, I didn't drive yet. Well, no, I did drive, but I shared a car with my dad. So, you know, my friend would always drive. He had his own car whenever we went anywhere. And he would make me meet him on Route 6. And I would stand out there and, like, wait for him to, to show up. Because, you know, you got the phone call, okay, I'm leaving. And then you'd go stand outside and you'd wait because we didn't have cell phones or anything. And I would be standing on Route 6 and I would have my Walkman with me and I'd put that on and listen. And it seemed like every single time I put my Walkman on and put on, at that time I was probably listening to WBCN, you put it on and there would be a Bush song. And so I just always associate Bush with standing on the side of Route 6. Um, <laughs> just one of those weird things. 508-996-0500. You're next on WBSM. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, I'm just calling to see uh, the retention issue for the police department. Well, why are we losing officers to different towns and cities? Like, Why can't we retain anybody here? Well, I, I, I know some of them were retirement, so that that you know that's just going to happen anyway. Uh, but I do think some of them were people going to other communities for probably a variety of reasons. Uh, the pay certainly is probably part of it, especially you know as we're hearing some of the numbers that officers are getting paid. But also, I think part of it might be too that maybe an officer decides they want to go into a community where it's a little bit less stressful as compared to some of the calls that they have to go on in in a city. You know, it's city versus suburban life, basically. Yeah, but isn't there a way we can maybe have some more opportunities for officers here to stay? Maybe increase their pay, or well, that would all that has to be negotiated. I read, I read an article on on the maybe it was an article or on the radio that someone left with 17 years experience to go to to go to Lakeville. Like, someone someone with that much experience were losing to a small town like Lakeville. Yeah, I mean, and I think I wouldn't be surprised though if that isn't really the case that you see happen anyway in city departments. If you don't see in any city department, if you don't see those officers with experience leaving to go to suburban communities, because what you're probably seeing in some of those positions and some of those situations is somebody who put 17 years in but never was able to move up the ladder, but now they have 17 years in a city environment. They that makes them an attractive candidate to go into be able to move up into a higher position uh, in another yeah. department. I just feel like it's more of a, well, not a hiring issue here. It's more of a, a retention issue, mm -hmm. keeping what we have and not let, letting our great officers go to other towns, other communities. And I think there might have been some taking for granted, too, that, you know, well, we've always got people that want to be police officers. So you might have always had a, a not had a problem with that. But now that we're seeing that less people are wanting to become police officers, now the problem has become glaringly obvious. All right. Thanks, Angel. Thanks for the call. All right. Thank you. And uh, that's I mean, and, I, and I do you know, I would never fault somebody for doing that. If if a police officer says, well, you know, I spent 17 years as a rank and file officer and I didn't get promoted. And if I go work in this other community, I know there's a much better chance. You know, when you think about some of the smaller communities, you're dealing with small um, forces. So you don't have, you know, 250 officers. You don't have. A hundred other people that you might be competing with for a position, it might be a, a force of thirty or forty, and then your experience and your knowledge and your education can help you get those higher ranking positions and help you get more money toward your eventual retirement. So I think that that's part of what happens for sure. You you know you often see people who leave because when they go to this other other place. Um, there's well, it, it's not always the case, um, but very rarely do you see somebody leaving to go take a level job. I think this is you know the, I, I haven't spoken to anybody, but I think it would be 
it's not a lateral move for a lot of them. It's because there's a chance to, to, to move up in this other community. And I do think that there might be something to be said for going to some place that's, that's quieter, uh, a place where there isn't as many calls to go on and you're not being put into danger as much. That might be part of it as well. 508-996-0500. I think I can squeeze in one more before I got to take a break. You're next on WBSM. Yeah, I think what they need to do is uh, raise the the starting pay for the police. I think we'll get a better better quality candidate if they raise the rate. Well, I think that's got to be part of the uh, contract negotiations for sure. Has to be. I mean, we need police. Has to have them. Well, well, we'll get an update from the mayor when he comes in, if he can give us an idea of where they're at in those negotiations. Well, from what I understand, they're starting off around $21 an hour. Yeah. I do DoorDash. I make I average around $25 an hour. Right. It's, it's something that certainly has to change from, from the last time yeah. that they had a contract. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. I got to hold you there, though, just to take the break, but thank you for the call. Have a great day. You as well. And uh, before I take the break... I just want to tell you, too, because, uh, listen, don't get fooled by the nicer weather that we're having. This is what we call fool spring or fall spring. You know, there's still a chance that we're going to have one of those cold days coming up. And when we have one of those cold days coming up, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel that cold coming in through your drafty windows, your drafty doors. You're going to know that they're not as tight and secure as they could be. And that's when you want to call precision window and kitchen. And with precision can with precision window and kitchen, you don't have to worry about having them come in and replace all your windows, you know, because you've got one window that doesn't seem like it's working for you. You don't have to have everything redone. They can if you want them to. Certainly they can do those big jobs, but they also like to do the small jobs as well. They'll come in and replace just that one window. Maybe it's one pane where the leak is coming around. They'll replace that one pane of glass. Maybe you want to get a screen repaired so that, you know, when the spring comes, you want to have the windows open without getting the bugs inside. They can do that for you too. They'll come to your place. They'll take the part that needs to be repaired. They'll bring it back to the shop. They'll fix it. They'll come back and they'll make sure it's installed right. None of this, you pull it out, you bring it to us, you put it back in, and then you end up breaking it again yourself. No, they take care of everything for you. They're family-owned and operated. They've been in business for over 35 years. No job is too big. No job is too small. And if you reach out to them, they will get back to you. Precision Window and Kitchen is the South Coast clear choice for windows, doors, kitchen and bathroom models, repairs, and more. You can stop by and see them at 1111 Cushion Avenue in New Bedford. You can call them at 508-990-3576 or visit them online at Precision windowandkitchen.com For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done.